AntiUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AntiUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AntiUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's December 22nd, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, Scott, did you know that I have a little dreidel and I made it out of clay? Oh, I know you have lots of little things. I didn't know you had a little dreidel, though. <laughs> and when it's dry and ready, then dreidel, I shall play. <laughs> I uh, I have uh, never ever played dreidel in my life. Wow, really? You didn't do that in school when no. they when they made you like celebrate all the different holidays? And you know, the two Jewish kids in your class came in and had the dreidels, and we're all like, "Oh my gosh, I love this!" No, I, I, and nothing like that in the Christian faith. I do recall. Like having a Jewish friend who came in and explained some stuff, and but we never—I didn't even know what dreidel was till I was like a teenager. And so I've been telling people this story, and I'm going to tell you now in the whole Antioch Nation. But the people I were telling, they're like, "What's a dreidel?" What do you? I'm like, what? "What?" I mean, at least I knew what a dreidel was, and I've heard the song and everything. But uh, Jeannie and I um, have have made some new friends, and they invite us to their Hanukkah celebration, which you know normally I would be like, "Oh, geez, I don't know, I'm not." Uh, okay, you know whatever. So they're they're so nice. They're very generous people, and they Probably want us to be part of it. Coins. Yeah, and that's what it was. They're, they're, they were they um, were the gold half dollar Kennedy half dollar coins to chocolate in. Right. Yeah, yeah. and it, they and so um, he's like, hey, let's play dreidel, and I'm like, wow, I'm gonna get to play dreidel. So he had like a hundred dreidels. Everybody got one. There's like ten <laughs> of us there, and we all got to spin our own dreidels and stuff, and. Well, for those who don't know, you know, dreidel is this top that you spin, and it's a four-sided top. And on each four, each side is a is a is a uh, character, a Hebrew character, and then and then the explanation of what it is. And one is called nun, one is called hay, one is called shin, and one is called gimel. And each one of those things means something to the game. And the minute they started describing this game to me, I was like, it's the original LCR. <laughs> it's left, center, right, but the original, uh, this is fantastic. So, um, And just like how we do with LCR, our friends here, Mark and Gary, they pervert the game. And they do it on a cruise ship at dinner? And they do it on a cruise ship at dinner. Do they really? No, no, <laughs> but they don't. But they do it. Uh, they do it often, and they do it in this manner. They instead of The way the game normally goes is sort of like left, center, right, where... You know, the first person will spin, whatever happens. So let's explain what these things are real quick. Nun means you don't get any of the pot. At first, they all ante up. They all put money in. And so whenever somebody would say ante up, I would always say a fine poker magazine or something. Everybody would laugh. So everybody has to ante up a coin. There's a pot now in the middle. And then the first person spins. If it says nun, they get none. If it says hey, they get half the pot. If it says shin, you have to put into the pot. And it's, I, I'm assuming it's one coin or whatever. And then if it's Gimel, you win the whole thing. Gimel wins the whole thing. So I'm like, this is just like left, right, center. It's just a little different variation of left, center, right. So um, he says, Listen, this is how you play the game. So then he would spin, whatever happened, and we'd go around once, everyone spin. So by the time I got back to him, he's like, now, isn't that the most boring thing ever? And I'm like... Well, it did take a while. He said, yeah, because you got to wait for them to spin, and then if they win the pot, then you got to start all over. And he said, so let's let's crank it up a notch. And so what they do is everyone spins at the same time. So you have ten freaking dreidels going crazy at the table spinning. And then people are yelling out, gimmel, gimmel, and everything. So if there are more than one gimmel, then those two people move on to the next round, and they have to ante up two coins each. And, or if there's three of them, whatever it is, and the pot grows until someone, only one person spins a gimmel. And so it got to be really fun and really really kind of exciting. And a couple of people, you could see, they're 
their dreidels were like weighted like dice. I mean, these things were like they kept coming up on Gimel. And there's like it's a one in four shot. There's no way the odds here are the variance is just not weighing out. They keep spinning Gimels. So I think some of these these Gimels were made that like they would spin and see. They they got into Gimel lock. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They would see which side would come up the most, and then they would make that the Gimel side when they painted it or something. You know, I mean, this thing was clearly, but it was hilarious. I mean, it was just like left, center, right. It it felt just like it. You're wondering if you're going to, you know, spin the Gimel and if you're going to win the pod, and it was just like it. So here is another way for the Andy Up Nation to gamble. Go out and get yourself a handful of dreidels and some gold chocolate coins, and and have fun, man. It was. I tell you what, I really enjoyed myself. We, we had a blast. Wow! I but I gambled and I won. There. I won. I won the second most amount of coins. Uh, one other person won the most, but then they quit early, so that wasn't fair. But uh, <laughs> so I won my first dreidel game, which was kind of cool. And I'm still eating the chocolate now. They call it the 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 guilt, I guess. The guilt, the chocolate guilt. That's the pot that you win or whatever. So I w- it was pretty exciting. I had a good time, and uh, we had a real nice dinner with those people, and uh, they're good friends of ours now. Did you get into a fight over whether a five-of-a-kind shin is better than a straight hay? <laughs> no, but I did tip my waitress with a gold coin when she walked by. So just so you know, I didn't sniff the server. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you got in the festive uh, mode this year, Chris. So. Thanks, buddy. Expanding your horizons now. So. People are like busting my chops now. They're like, wow, I, I can't believe you even went to a party. I'm impressed with that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that actually is the most amazing part I know, of the that, story. That's what I'm saying. I don't get it. But yeah, I loved it, man. I, had a, well, I, had I can't a wait blast. for the next cruise when, uh, when, uh, when little Joe brings out the LCR. You're like, no, hold up. Nope, I got it. Hold on. I got the gimbal. And you got your Annie up uh, dreidel there. Gimbal dreidel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ours could be A N T E around the thing instead of A H S G. But anyway, I had a lot, of, a lot of fun, and uh, it, was, it was cool. Excellent. Well, as usual, uh, news breaks while we're on the cruise ship, yep. and uh, this time it was the World Series of Poker announcing its uh, schedule, or sort of its schedule. It's at least its dates, right? And uh, this year's uh, greatest poker series of the year, in most people's mind. Will run May 29th to July 17th and feature 78 bracelet events. So you know, winning a bracelet still very special. Um, <laughs> including the main event running July 2nd to the 14th. ESPN will provide the TV broadcast as always with Poker Go live streaming events. New this year is that a dozen events will begin after the main event starts, and uh, nine events have been added to the schedule and five removed. New events including a hundred thousand dollar high roller and an online PLO event. And, of course, uh, it's an even year, so the big one-for-one drop returns this year and will be the last tournament in the series. Man, I tell you, uh, one of the things I really like about this is that they are starting some events after the main event. Yeah. Because there's those people who have to book a hotel room. They, How long am I going to stay out there? I might go far in the main event. I may or may not. They've got this week or two weeks long book, and they don't fly back for 10 days or something. They get knocked out in the first day. They're like, uh... All right, what do I do now? I guess I'll go to the Venetian and play the deep stack, or I'll go to the. So they're trying to capture that audience and keep them there at the Rio. Um, so yeah, I, like I think that. you're right. It's probably a calculated effort to uh, to get more people towards the end. Um, yeah. Though it's interesting to me how many uh, folks that I know that uh, I you remember that one time we were out there we we were watching a, a guy play and then we got on our Southwest flight and he was hanging out with us on the flight. We're like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got knocked out, so I just jumped on the first flight home. Like, wow, people do that. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, some people do that, but yeah, I think for your you're right for your weekend warriors, your your folks that want to take the big shot the, at the main event for the first time and uh, don't want to have that open ended commitment um, or worry, um, this gives them something to do. Of course, of course, the first year that our great friends at Thunder Valley uh, move up our Andy Up World Championship early is the year that the World Series adds undercard events that are going to overlap with. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you, World Series. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, we divided it. We're like, all right, yeah, we can move it up. I mean, really, it's not overlapping because you're only going to have, like, 27 people still in the main event, so you're not missing anything. Yeah. Now we have a whole event on top of us. But, oh, well, that's all right. Um, but, um, 
the online PLO event is nice. I think it's like a 360 buy-in or something like that, so relatively uh, cheap. Uh, I'm not going to be in the high roller. I'm sorry. That's going to be tough to even satellite in for me, I think. <laughs> and it's the same year they had the big one for the one drop, so this, they were talking like, hey, you know, ponying up some serious cash this year. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to bring a couple of duffel bags and not leave them in the cab. Man, uh, I tell you. <laughs> you got to play all these events. But, but 78 bracelet events, isn't that insane? I, I know, wonder... they're not going to be happy until they have 100. Yeah, I wonder when that. Yes, I was going to say. I wonder what the over under is on what year we'll actually hit a hundred bracelet events. Yeah. So overall, they gained four this year. It was seventy four last year. Is that right? Sounds right. Um, yeah, not for sure, but it sounds right. Oh man. Um, I don't, it's going to be tough to actually get more than that. I mean, it's it's interesting how you cram more in. I mean, the online is going to help, I guess, because you can do online events over top of live events. So that might be the only way you get to a hundred without actually expanding the schedule. I was going to say, they'll, they'll just freaking make the schedule until July 30th or something. <laughs> I don't know they can, though, but, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a possibility. So. Insane. Two-month-long World Series. Well, they, they always seem to do that, too. It's like they know when we're not going to be around. Or or it's, you know, what I have noticed, too, is that we are we are scheduling most of our cruises at the same time every year. So I think it could be on us. Maybe we should stop doing that. Well, <laughs> it's a big schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not overlapping the cruise yet. It's only <laughs> overlapping the world championship. No, I mean uh, when they announce the, the championship news. championship overlaps our cruise. So. No, when they <laughs> announce the news, when they announce the schedule, they're constantly uh-huh. doing when we're on a cruise. Yeah, that's true. I think because yeah. they announce at the same time of year, and we go on the same cruise every year at the same time of year. So that's probably what's going on there. <laughs> but we'll look forward what? to seeing what those events are. Absolutely. And in other tournament news, Poker Stars, which last year recategorized its live tournaments as either Poker Stars Championships or Poker Stars Festivals, will bring back popular brands. Blands. <laughs> so popular because they're bland. Popular <laughs> brands like the European Poker Tour, Latin American Poker Tour, and the Asian Pacific Poker Tour in 2018. So this is huge news for our international players because... Any of the guys listening to us are actually playing these European Poker Tour events. I want to. I want. I want you to give us a shout out or send us an email because how many of our listeners are going to these things? Well, it, that's true. I mean, obviously, yeah, you're right. Our international audience probably does it. Uh, but what I think is interesting is that uh, th- this is kind of like Poker Stars' new Coke thing, isn't it? Yes. They they had a good thing going, and they're like, you know, well, we're gonna make things a little simpler. We're gonna change the formula. We're gonna we're just gonna make them either championships or festivals. So everybody knows the difference, and everybody's like, what? I like going to the EPT or the LAPT or the APPT PTC and LMNOP. And so they really misjudged the fact that people really actually like those sub brands, even though it made things a little. They thought it probably made things confusing because you didn't know the buy-ins and stuff, but it actually people liked those brands and names, and so they solved a problem that didn't need to be solved. You know, and as a, business, as a business owner, you know, I, I, I can empathize with poker stars in the fact that they, if you're not trying things, if you're not trying to improve, or I mean, that's the, the ones who just do nothing all the time are the ones that fail. So they're just trying something different. Hey, maybe this will work. Maybe it's another way to reinvigorate or, or whatever, and it didn't work out. And so you found out about it. Maybe you could have done some more market research or something before you made this big move. Who knows? But PokerStars generally doesn't make that many mistakes when it comes to their brand. So, you know, hats off to them for recognizing that it was better the way it was and going back to it. I like that. I like that you can do that. You don't have to say, oh, I've got an ego the size of North Dakota, and I'm not going to change. You know, yeah. go back to what you what you was working for you, and that makes sense. Well, good luck to him. I hope so. Hey, you know, one thing I forgot to mention about the dreidel was I got to use my <laughs> poker skills. I forgot to talk about this. So <laughs> they didn't really understand, like, when somebody ran out of their gold coins in the middle of a turn, like, and then they, like the people tied and kept going, they kept putting the money in the main pot, and then that person who doesn't have any more money was still spinning, and was going to keep winning the whole thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. That person's all in. And they're like, all in? I'm like, yeah, you know, poker, all in? They're all in. And then, uh, yeah, so? And I'm like, well, they can't win my money or his money or her money if they keep adding to the pot and they haven't added to the pot. They're like, well, how do you do it then? And I said, a side pot. And they're like, ooh, what's a side pot? So that was kind of cool. I forgot to mention that earlier. So we had all these poker like that wasn't really poker skill or anything, but they was just, they had no idea. So now they're going to incorporate that into their gambling. They're going to be like, okay, now they can make side pots for people, so they can <laughs> earn more, and the other people get only what they deserve. And 
Because, like, if you had one coin and then the pot built up to, like, four or five antes, they were going to win one coin. They could put one coin in a pot and win 500 point coins. It's like, no, you can't do that. So that was cool. I forgot to mention that. I'm sorry about that. All right, any updates? Restock the shelves. Annie Epps Food Bank Initiative, in partnership with Blue Shark Optics, returns in January. Inn of the Mountain Gods in New Mexico, Harris Akchin Hotel and Casino in Arizona, and Firekeepers Casino Hotel in Michigan are the latest poker venues to join us. For more details on all of the events or how you can encourage the manager of your favorite poker venue to participate, please visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash restock. And when we say it returns in January, we mean all of January. It's not just one date this year. It's, it's, it's a Poker Stars festival. <laughs> See, we're changing. And if this bombs, we'll go back to one date. But I don't think it will bomb. I think this is very encouraging. Also, our 2018 Annie Up Poker Cruise schedule is set, including a summer sailing to Cuba. Passengers on all sailings get a commemorative souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com, a one-month membership to advanced poker training, and a quick-reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Annie Up Poker Cruises, available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. Comes from John like Warner. said something cool. I mean, are we dating ourselves there? Uh, something rad? <laughs> yeah, that, no, no, we can't pull that off. Something outrageous? Cool and rad. How about outrageous? Well, what made me think of it is I had a, a long discussion with six of us last night. At the, we were at a restaurant, and uh, one of them said, hey, I taped the show. Yeah. And then we all started giggling, and we all said, I'm glad you said taped. And we're all like, solidarity on tape, yeah. even though, you know, we didn't tape anything. We recorded. But anyhow. I literally just said that, like, yesterday to somebody. I'm like, oh, I'm dating myself. I said taped because I think I it's recorded. It's the right people. I recorded, like, that Christmas story live. Yeah, it's yeah. three hours long. Yeah, it's three hours long, so I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I've been too busy. I had it. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm going to watch it. But I said taped, and then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't tape it. I recorded it. All right, this comes from John Warner. I don't know. We got that sidetrack. You interrupted me here. John says, I took a break from poker over a year without playing, and I really didn't even gasp. Listen to your podcast during the time span. Hey, John, it's all right. I didn't listen to our podcast during that time span either. I don't even listen to Scott at all while we're doing the show, so. I've been catching up, and it made me wonder if you ever considered separating your podcasts into segments for searching. For example, I was hoping to listen to all of the old Hands of the Week and O'Malley's moves, which meant opening old podcasts and skipping to the general time slot to find it. I'll be honest, I don't know if it affects ratings or anything, but some of the old topics aren't relevant or interesting to me six months late. If I could just hit one button and listen to hand after hand while driving, it would be super convenient. Well, well, isn't I, that special? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I gave a call to Nielsen, and I'm like, I'm really concerned about our ratings. So, <laughs> what can you do here with all the people box that that people have when they listen to? <laughs> yeah, they got you know, pay a dollar. You know, we actually went to a friend's house the other day, and they're a Nielsen family now. They actually uh, had a little box. They asked they us to, to be one. I refused. Yeah, they have to punch the little number on who's watching and stuff. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's true. I would think in this world of Google now, you don't need that. I mean, everybody knows everything we're doing anyhow, but. I, I know. know. Uh, but no, John, I'm sorry, not making fun of you. Uh, we we do not have ratings. We uh, actually, we, we do the show really for fun. I mean, there's no other way to say it, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We have not made any money off this show since Poker Stars uh, was no longer allowed to make us money. So, um, so that's not that's not the the issue here. I I, I, I could probably let Chris answer this because you're the one that edits the show, and I know what your answer would be. Yeah, no, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, uh, if I could just hit one button and listen to hand after hand. Well, you can. It's called the fast forward button. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I am not breaking it up into segments, and I'm certainly not going into the archives of. 500 shows and doing it um but i you know what we record this show we get it done in in an hour we we cut the show back to an hour for a reason our time is just so finite and uh you know and that's the other thing too is that i have to i have to go through it and find it and find out what i'm doing i don't even know how to do it there was a there was a time where we were thinking about doing that we were thinking about doing like uh, visual elements um like for the hand of the week we were thinking about doing like what the flop looked like and little elements that they would show up in the little corner of your player or something like that. But it just never worked out. And like Scott said, this is more of a, 
hey, we're continuing this because, you know, we have fun doing it and the Andy Up Nation likes to listen to it. And, you know, let's face it, we've given you about, I don't know, 700 shows or so, and they're all free. So I, I just, I can't imagine. They're not worth anything. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't imagine going through now and stopping for each segment. And Plus, you know, there's other things, too, that, that keep you from doing it. Um, I, one could be technology. I don't know if, if the way we do it now... You know, I, I don't think that there's a way to do it the way we're doing it now, and then we'd have to, it would it would t- require a major overhaul of how to do the show, right? Um, and I'm sure I'll get bombarded with plenty of <laughs> Facebook posts ding, and emails ding, saying, "Hey, ding. here's how you can oh, do it. In. Have you ever tried doing it this way? Yeah. So you can ask me, you can tell me <laughs> it's not happening. So you might as well just save your fingers uh, from typing and your voice from talking about it because it's just not going to happen. It just can't. Well, at least not by us, but yeah, no. I mean, it's possible. I'm, I'm positive. Some volunteer to give up their life for the next year to <laughs> break all these shows down and re-record them that way. Absolutely. Yeah, they, and, and we may listen own, to that proposal. Start yes. your own site with it too, because I'm not reposting all these shows either. <laughs> <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at anteupmagazine dot com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone listen and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars. Hey, did you know they specialize in poker odds and math at poker911.net? I heard that on the best poker podcast on the planet. Oh, they'd be best if they broke things up into segments, but they don't, yeah, so they're only true. second best, yeah. I guess. It comes from Tom Peterson. He says, as a part-time job, I run free poker pub tournaments. I'm curious if I made the correct call here. The under-the-gun player raises to 3K. It folds to a player in late position who calls. Then the button says all in and moves nine black chips, 9,000 chips, uh, forward. Both players call and have about 30,000 behind. The flop appears to be a blank for everyone, and the button stands up as if he knows he's going to be eliminated. As he does so, everyone at the table notices he had two yellow chips, which are worth 10 grand each, which were tucked underneath his arm. The under-the-gun player calls me to the table and said she would have never called his all in if she knew he had 20k behind the late position player says the same it was clear this was only a mistake made by the button player and very unlikely to be an angle shot i determined the main pot 28,500 was the entire amount the button could win and the other two players could continue action on further streets was this the right call elliot says you made the right decision when the button's extra ships were found, you correctly ruled that the button was all in and the other players could bet on the side. TDA Rule 2, Player Responsibility, states players should keep cards visible and ships correctly stacked. Rule 25 states higher denomination ships must be visible and identifiable at all times. Rule 63, which specifically covers this situation, states if player A bets all in and a hidden ship is found behind after a player has called, the TD will determine if the ship behind is part of the accepted action. Rule 52, if it's not part of the action, uh, it will be paid off from the chips if she wins. Uh, if A loses, she is not saved by the chips, and the TD may award the chips to the winning caller. There would have been no reasonable way to let these chips play. The button offered action that was accepted by the two other players. Those extra chips can't be in play at this point because the opposing players had no way to pay attention to and notice something that was hidden from them. Whether this was intentional or not is irrelevant. There just doesn't seem to be a way that this could have been ruled differently to that point. Uh, well, wasn't there a show that you made the right call? What was, what yeah. was it? Wasn't right. there a show out there? Yeah, what was that? that was, I don't know. Uh, oh, that was um, uh, the, the This Week in Baseball with uh, Mel. Oh, that's it. Yeah. How did you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you did it, then you made the right call. Yes. Or was it the football? Was it a football one? Or no, was it... no, it was the baseball one. It was, it was baseball. right before the baseball bunch with Johnny Bench. Yes. Wow, that was awesome. I can't remember Mel, what was his name? Mel, name Mel um, I was going to say Mel Brooks. Mel's Diner? No, Mel, Mel uh, oh man, now you're killing me. Melva? <laughs> That's Seinfeld. <laughs> oh man. Let's see, I'm going to put it in the, we're going to know this before we talk about this. This week in baseball, <laughs> Mel. All right, hang on, we're going to find the answer to this while we're on the show. Oh, Mel Allen. Mel Allen, there yes, we go. That's yes. exactly what I thought. I just was waiting for you to catch up. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, at least you figured it out, so that was pretty cool. Um, I could see going either way on this uh, call. I agree, Elliot's right. And I'm and hats off to Tom, or Thomas, 
yeah. for uh, like knowing all. The, I mean, he, he, whether he knew it or not, his instincts got all the rules right, which is pretty yes, exactly. pretty awesome. No, it, even more impressive because when I got this, I always try to answer these myself, right? And usually, I will. I, I try. I don't try to guess. I try to, you know, I try to cite the TDA rules, and I always say, you know, hey, I'm going to let Elliot. You know, we're going to pass it to Elliot for his professional opinion, reminding people I'm an amateur idiot. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I really didn't think this was addressed in TDA. Now, <laughs> like 17 rules LA pulls out. I'm like, wow, how did I not know this? And I would have ruled differently, and I told Thomas I thought he made an error, and uh, I am the village idiot here. So congratulations, Thomas. Very smart, because yeah. these free pub uh, poker tournaments, I understand the that's a tough spot to be in, because those folks are not as well-versed in TDA as, as the Elliot Schechters of the world. And in... Um, hindsight it does make a lot more sense it just it seemed to me that actually i don't even know what i ruled at that point i, I just know i ruled differently it felt like the, the the button couldn't benefit from this in a way i think the benefit the button does benefit from this right uh-huh. they, they wanted to be all in and then they just happened a couple chips hiding somewhere which i don't know how that happens i really don't um, so th- their tournament got saved because they lost the hand, I think. I actually never heard the result, but I assume since he got up and was leaving that he assumed he was going to lose. And his tournament got saved by hiding chips under there. So this wasn't an angle shot at this point, I don't think. I agree with that. It was just an accident. But doesn't it open it up, the idea that people sitting around the table going, hmm. Yeah. Next time I get a marginal hand and I want to go all in, I just, hmm tuck a little yellow chip under my right <laughs> i mean right. I, I'm, it's funny but i'm like i'm kind of being serious about it i'm like so that's that's the problem here i think going forward but i guess you know i i i, I cited all the rules and that that makes sense um yeah. so, again i guess it's an unfortunate no no winners no losers here but and then there's the whole verbal is binding thing he said all in it's not our fault that you didn't ask for a count and look under his arms for his chips and stuff and but i know there's those rules in there saying where they have to have him visible but he didn't keep him visible so he should be penalized for that you know it seems odd that nothing else happened other than they just had a twenty-eight thousand five hundred chip pot that he could win that was it it's like all right well, what about question. Fun yeah. penalizing this guy for not following yeah, those rules Elliot didn't go there but yeah i wonder if that is you if you i would think a td would be justified in giving you a one round penalty for uh, at least a warning or something here to say hey you got to keep because you did violate a rule. Yeah, you keep your chips visible um, for people to see, and so you. I guess that's where I'm getting at. He kind of got rewarded by doing that here, yeah. but penalize him then still probably comes out better because he's still in the tournament. But at least there's some peril for making a mistake, um, whether it's intentional or not. And then there's that famous story of was it as Jack Strauss who had the chip under the napkin. They, that's with the chip in the chair. Thing. Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, he thought he went all in and he had a chip left, and uh, there's no no story about Jack Strauss getting penalized for having a chip that wasn't. Uh, True. But True. Uh, it would ruin the story. But uh, yeah, so yeah, very interesting, very interesting ruling. I mean, I, I agree with the decision. It's just it seems like there should at least be a penalty in there somewhere, and not just hey, uh, oh, it just happened to be that way. Because you're right, that could totally be an angle shoot, uh, especially when they have bigger denominations like that, where you just put them under your arm and survive. And if you go all in, then you say, oh, here's a chip, and try to get paid off for it. See if there's someone who's not doing their job properly, and they pay you off for that chip that was on your arm when you win. And when you right. lose, you go, oh, look, I have a chip. So, uh. Hey, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in our usual $1, $2, no limit hold'em home game. This is a friendly but serious game where everybody is pretty comfortable with everybody else. The game is early, only about a half hour in, and we're up $10. We bought in for $200 and currently have $210. The game is six-handed. The blinds post, it's folded to us on the button with the king of spades, king of hearts. The standard raise is to 4x big blinds, so we make it $8 to go. The small blind calls. This player likes to see a lot of hands, and once he's involved in one, he doesn't like to let it go. He also loves to bet scare cards. He started the hand with 180. The big blind folds, and we see a flop of the queen of spades, jack of hearts, nine of hearts. This is a pretty coordinated flop, but we do have an inside straight and backdoor flush draw, 
not to mention the overpair. Our opponent checks to us, and with $18 in the pot, we make it $12 to go. He calls relatively quickly. The turn is the nine of spades. There's $42 in the pot, and our opponent leads out for $30. We make the call, and the perplexing ten of hearts lands on the river. With $102 in the pot, our opponent makes a $65 bet into it, leaving him about the same amount behind. We've made a straight, but if we call and lose, we're down to less than $100. What's the move? All right, opponent has played this very oddly, I think. He uh, calls a raise in small blind, check calls to flop, leads out when the board pairs on the turn, and then bets big on the king of hearts. So it would mean that he didn't back into a flush with that hand. Uh, nine might also play it this way, and since our opponent has been described as liking to bet scare cards, that would explain why he didn't flinch at betting the river. I think we might be splitting this pot or winning it, so I'm willing to pay 62 bucks to find out. I'm calling. Yeah, I'm calling. Uh, his story only adds up to me, the way it seemed. really only adds up to either nothing or nines, trip nines. Um, plus, what an odd bet. $62. That's just, <laughs> I hate people do that online. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, what did you, you always like to end in a nine, right? Nine. Was it, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's why it's weird. He didn't like go all the way to 64 or 69. He yeah. stopped at 62. 62. So. What a weird bet. Yeah. So I'm really not sure what that's all about, but uh, we'll find out with a call, and that's what we're going to do here. Here comes part two. Hello again. Knowing what we know about this opponent, how he loves to bet scare cards, I'm thinking this is a perfectly placed bet with the intention of getting us to fold, not to call. I don't think he has us beat. We call. We table our straight, and our opponent turns over the ace of clubs, nine of clubs, for trips nines. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying it helps to know the tendencies of the players of your regular home game. Knowing them in this situation made us some money. I hope to see you on the felt. Yep, our opponent misjudged our skill level and our ability to break down a hand. Odd bets, odd play, but experience wins out. Good for Mal. That that you know that's the beauty of the story. You know, a lot of times people don't really know how to. They don't know they're telling a story with their play, or they just are so inexperienced they're making these weird things. But this really was a story that he he figured out, and sixty two dollars was worth the call. And uh, good for him. Way to go. And I think it's really interesting when when you you're talking to players that are getting new to the game and learning that. Uh, you know, the focus is on trying to, because everybody's like, you got to be able to read people in poker, right? You know, I, I talked to a bunch of people last night, and uh, they don't play poker, but they, they play poker, they don't play it, you know, to the R level, right? They're like, oh, we love playing poker. And, uh, you know, it's always, I, uh, I got to learn how to read people. And you do, you have to figure out what other people have. But there's this whole side of your weakness in the game when you're not realizing that other people are reading you. And yeah. you need to be able to tell sell that story that you're telling and not just bet a bunch on the end and say, oh, hope they uh, don't call my bluff here. Exactly. And if it doesn't add up, then it's pretty easy to call your bluff. And so you got to, not only do you got to figure out what everybody else has, but you got to tell them a really good story that they have to believe at the end. And it's no slight on the, the opponent in this. I mean, he had three nines. It's just that any 10 right. beats you and flushes beat you. And it's such a coordinated board at that bet. You know, it's like, uh, you know, that's kind of a wasted bet there. Uh, it made him think a little bit, but not enough to fold with three nines. He should have just checked. Um, well, it, this whole hand reminds me of, and I don't know why I always remember this, but there was a time, uh, I remember an article that I read, um, you know, when Ben Affleck got into poker a mm-hmm. long time ago, and he hired Annie Duke to be his coach, right? Right. And uh, her first lesson to him was, you're just unbridled aggressive you can't be unbridled aggressive you have to be strategically aggressive and that's what happened to this guy i think he, he just came alive in weird places and was thinking hey i'm putting pressure on him when he weren't it just didn't make any sense there was no strategy to the aggression i mean so you can't just be aggressive you gotta have it's gotta make sense Man. yeah yeah very good all right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free cool membership to Advanced Poker Training. <laughs> Rad. World's number one poker training site. It's so cool. <laughs> um, new uh, uh, listener from a new uh, hand from somebody who hasn't contributed before this week. That's always nice. Uh, David Ligamari. And uh, he says, uh, you know, it's Christmas, so I'm going to give ourselves a gift and 
inflate our ego a little bit here by reading the stuff on the well, front. Well, for me, it's Hanukkah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm playing Dreidel now. Uh, all right, he says, I love the show. Two exclamation points. Yes. This is my favorite podcast. Two exclamation points. One for I've been you, listening one for me. Since... <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening since 2009. No exclamation points. Oh. Best poker cast on the planet. Three exclamation yes. points. Yes. I try to listen to other podcasts, but just can't get through them. And nothing that I listen to regularly, I started. Uh, nothing I listen to regularly. Started listening to the old podcasts. I uh, love listening to strategy sessions and the old hand of the week, Columbo's and one minute mystery. Can you divide them all up so I can just <laughs> listen to? No, I'm sorry. I was going to say that, but I knew you were going to, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> uh, he says it's like getting extra strategy sessions every week. I uh, also love the new Anti Up fan group. Yes, which you can go to on fan, uh, Facebook and join. Uh, and I'm a regular reader there as well. So good. Thank you, Dave, for all the kind words. Uh, all right. He says, uh, we discussed this hand afterwards. It happened. I wanted to get your opinion. We are a monthly home game tourney. 12 players left. Six players at our table. 30, 60 blinds. Seems pretty early, right? Yeah. I don't know how 20, 12 players are left. I wonder how many people started it for 30, 60. Uh, let's see. It says villain is on the button with twelve hundred in chips. Hero is under the gun plus one with about four thousand in chips. Under the gun calls the sixty, and it's on us with ace of diamonds, ten of diamonds. See now, it's very difficult to really understand what to do here because first, let's let's talk about some other things when we when we're looking for details. 12 players left, that doesn't mean anything to us, right? Because we don't know how many cash. We don't know if we're on the bubble. We don't know if it's, you know, hand for hand. Um, we don't know if it was 50 players when it started or if it was 13 players when it started. And we've only lost one and it's still, I mean, 30, 60 is pretty early. So one thing I want to know that too, I don't know what the people behind me are, are going to do. I don't know how many, what their stacks are like. I don't know if they're aggressive. So it's tough to just say, oh, I've got the Casenza suited. I'm going to raise, you know, um, I don't know if the guys behind me are typical loose players who like to raise any two cards. And if they do, then I might call and then re-raise them and pop them so I don't have to play them out of position. There's a lot of stuff that I might do with this hand, provided if I know the information about the people behind me, or even the person who just called. Is the the under-the-gun person, when they limped, are they the type of person that limps with aces under the gun? Because if they do, I'm throwing the ace diamond and ten of diamonds into the muck faster than you can shake a stick. So it's hard without specific details about people's play. Um, if you're just sitting down cold into a game and I have ace diamonds, ten of diamonds, and I have a limper ahead of me, um, since I'm so early in the hand, I'm probably, to be honest with you, I'm probably folding this, believe it or not. But it's a new game. It's a new year. So, I mean, I, I, I may... Uh, well, a new era. How about that? I may, uh, I may just call with it. I don't know. I may raise with it. I just don't know what these people behind me are going to play like. If if I knew somebody likes to three bet, you know, and I'm raising, and then so, you know, ace of ten, ace ten, the diamonds is it's a nice suited ace, and it can make Broadway, and it's good for a shorthanded table, which is what you're at. You're a shorthanded table, so it's pretty strong for that. Um, but I just don't know about the people behind me or the stacks behind me. Can somebody, you know, bring me to the felt, you know, behind me? So I don't know. But generally, uh, I'm raising with this hand and a shorthanded table. That's how I got the nickname in the first place. We were shorthanded. Everybody was playing tight. I looked down at ace-10, and I raised, and Faso sucked out on me, and they're only let me live it down. So I don't know. I, I would probably raise this hand shorthanded um, because under the gun, a limp under the gun that's six-handed is like under the gun limping middle player, middle position. So they could have anything. So I'm probably going to raise here. I might make it 200 or so. Maybe a little more than that, maybe 240, um, and then just see what happens after that. I and mean, we're going to be out of position unless it folds around to the buttons and the and the other gun guy. So uh, you're taking a chance here. But sometimes I like to limp with the suited ace too. It just depends on the people on the table. If I knew they're all going to fold, I'd raise and take it down now and move on and be happy. So I don't know. I'm talking a lot here. You talk. No, I I agree with everything you said. That uh, I could go two different ways here. I'm certainly not folding this hand. I don't think. Um, in a six six handed game, I'm not yeah, right. uh, full ring. If I'm under the gun plus one, then that's a different story. But uh, six handed, I, I got to play this hand. So it all depends on, as you mentioned, uh, what, what the tendencies of the people behind. So if I feel like it's going to get raised behind me, I would be happy to limp here and know that I'll pay likely pay a little bit more. And if not, then 
I mean, we'll get a bunch of people, and I've got a uh, flush and straight draw possibility right out of the bat. Um, but if these players are, seem to be a little tentative, <clears throat> um, this is definitely a hand that I, I'm comfortable raising with shorthanded. Um, the only little concern is the under the gun calling, and uh, I've had a lot of listeners I've talked about with this before that they think it's uh, it's old school to worry about the limp re-raise. They don't see that anymore. Um, and, and admittedly, I don't know how much I see it now. It's just it's one of those things that's always in the back of my mind. Uh, I'm always a little squirrely when I see an under the gun this limp, but uh, so that's really my only concern here. But it, it's it's not a great concern. So it all depends, really. Like as you said, the, our belief of what's going to happen with the rest of the table. So yeah. either a call or a call raise, I'm going to support. So we'll see what happens. All right, uh, we call. The cutoff folds. The button raises to 160. And remember, he started this hand with 1,200 chips. We have 4,000 at the beginning of the hand. Okay. Uh, the small blind, uh, big blind, and under the gun all fold. So that was a weird limp from the under the gun. Yeah, it's for just 100 more. Folds quickly. quickly. Uh, so he says 150 in dead money in there, and it's back to us. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm just going to call here. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to fold for 100 with a suited ace Broadway. Um, and I've got way more chips. So even if I lose this guy, I still have almost 3,000. When it's thirty sixty, so I'm not, I'm not too scared of whatever's going to happen. Even if I lose all the, all of it to him, you know, I'm still very much alive in this tournament. So I'm definitely calling and hoping to flop big. Yeah, we're in a really good spot here. I think uh, just ba- this is why I like tournaments better than cash games because of the chips thing. So you're right. So even if uh, you know our ace or ten comes on the flop and we get it all in for whatever reason, the most we can lose here is twelve hundred. We're down to twenty eight. After that, and we're at thirty sixty, so still a lot of play left. So the fact that we can't get drastically hurt here gives us a lot of power in this hand to to um, be the aggressor if we need to if the flop comes big, yeah. and, and not be worried about being pushed off a a marginal hand at some point. So um, I don't think I want to get crazy and re-raise now, but uh, but definitely if an ace of ten or two diamonds or two paint cards come here, uh, this is a hand that I'm I'm comfortable getting it all in at some point if i need to yeah uh all right so we call uh pots 470 and remember heads up to the flop which is nine of diamonds deuce of clubs deuce of diamonds and it's on us all right so we've got the nut flush draw but we don't have any kind of nuts because all kinds of hands beat us in case pocket nines or you know induce nine or pocket deuces are out there but those are probably hands we can almost rule out i don't know if we can rule out nines um, because it was a raise, so um, I don't know. I'm out of position here, and I've I've got to draw it to the nut flush, but it's not the nuts, and I don't like being out of position and being the aggressor. This person took control of the hand. I'm happy to check to him and let him set the price and see if it's worth me calling or. Um, and if you don't believe him, maybe even check raising to get that extra bet out of him. Uh, it just depends on what he's going to do, but I I think I would check here. Yeah, I think a check is is great no matter what your strategy is here. I, I really uh, I would not be opposed to check raising uh, with this because there's enough in that pot now to win, and we have the flush draw, and it's unlikely that the nine or deuce hit our opponent. So I mean, he could have an overpair and have his beat right now, but a diamond comes and we win this hand, um, and he might be scared by it, so we could pick up that pot, um, or I, w- I could check, and, and if he uh, you know, maybe I just check call or he checks behind. I mean, I'm not giving up a free card. I need a free card. So yeah. there, I don't think there's any scenario where checking here is a bad move. All right, our hero says I have the nut flush draw right now. Um, uh, so I decided to check to the button, and uh, the button bets 160. Well, if you're going to raise, which is not a bad thing, I mean – it is kind of a dry flop for someone to bet out in that raised pre-flop because you have the nut diamonds, so it's not like unless he had a king queen of diamonds, you know what I mean? Why would he do that with with uh, betting you know betting a strong board like that? So either he's got he could have just a continuation bet here and have something like ace king, and he missed completely, um, or he could have a pair that's over the nines and that's a great flop for him. And why wouldn't he bet? He's trying to protect his hand against diamonds, so it makes sense to me. Um, I don't know. If I'm going to check raise, I'm going to make it like 500. 
and really shut it down now. If he's going to shove, fine. I got enough flush draw for two cards to come, and I'm still not going to get damaged too much. So, well, I think uh, he only has two, three twenty. Only has he has less than nine hundred left. Yeah. So, so it almost seems like if you're going to check raise, it just needs to put him to a test for his stack yeah, rate. Go all I, in. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's it. I would, if I'm going to bet five hundred and it's more than half a stack, I might as well just shove. So that's probably what I would do. If I'm going to check raise here, I'm going to shove. If I don't believe him, if I believe he has an over pair, then I'm just going to call and. Maybe we'll hit a nine, a ten, or a or an ace on the turn as well, and no, we're still good then. So I don't know. Uh, check raise is pretty bold. I mean, it, it, at the same time, a lot of people, amateurs, like to do that too. They like to check raise their trips and stuff like that. So maybe uh, maybe you'll get credit for those as well, like a deuce, like an ace deuce in your hand. So I think a check raise will work here. Well, if we're gonna do it, you might as well shove, like you said, put him to a test. And if you put him to a test yeah. and you're wrong, you you've got two outs if he doesn't have a boat already. It, or in two in streets for outs, I mean. All right. In a vacuum, I really like the check uh, all in, uh, raise all in here. Because, um, again, what I mentioned that at the, before the flop was that we have so much power here with our chip stack, and if we get any really piece of this board, it gives us a lot of power to be a little bit more loose and uh, a little bit more emboldened here. I mean, it's exactly what we have here. we got the two diamonds. We also got a board that doesn't seem to have would have hit anyone, um, but they have to guess that as well, too. So... I guess my decision would be again based on what I know about the uh, the villain here. If yeah. uh, um, you know, if I, I feel like uh, the villain is the type that would be like, oh gosh, I can't believe once again this flop and folds, then that's an easy shove for me, and I'll I'll take the money now. That way, I don't have to improve my my hand. Um, but you know, if I think he, it, it's not. It's a one sixty bet into a four seventy pot here too. So I don't know if that's supposed to let me think that he wants us in but i can't imagine that he has pocket nines here there'd be no upside to betting that right mm-hmm. uh, i think um and deuce doesn't make sense with a raise pre-flop so you know the worst case we're up against here as you mentioned is an overpair and we have outs to that so and depending you know what that overpair is we still have an ace so unless he has pocket aces we've got a lot of outs here to win based on whatever i think he has so right uh, I, I'd rather just put the the power. I mean, re- re- put him to a decision now, and and if he folds, then that's with uh, five six thirty we pick up right there. So that's that's pretty big. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, our hero says, uh, I don't think he has any part of the flop, and with nut flush draw, I want him to pay to stay, and I'd be happy taking this pot down right now. Raised to three twenty. Oh, the min raise. Yeah. Well, a couple things I want to say. One, the min raise is terrible. No, no, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, but David, but it's that's not the right raise at all. Um, because if he's if he himself thinks that he, if he has jacks or something, he's not going anywhere. He doesn't believe you. He might think that you're putting he's you're, you're just putting him on nothing, or maybe you hit your nine. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not it's not enough. One, two. It always bothers me when people say, I don't think he has any part of that flop when someone raised pre-flop after they had two limpers. Right. If you had pocket tens pre-flop and you're in his position, what would you have done? You would have raised. If you had pocket jacks, queens, kings, aces, pre-flop, what would you have done? So it's, it's as if people never get pocket pairs when they're doing a hand analysis sometimes. So he doesn't need a part of that flop if he has jacks. That's exactly he, if he had jacks, he would play this hand exactly the way he's played it so far. He would have raised free flop, he would have bet the flop, and he would have been happy to bet that flop. So you can't really say he doesn't have a part of the flop because he might not need it. Um, and he's in control. I mean, I realize he's on the button, so he's you know maybe playing his position, but. It, you can't say that every single time someone's on the button and they're raising that they're just playing their position. They can't have a hand. And I'm not saying that I'm not trying to mislead anybody. I don't know how this hand turns out, but to make that statement, really, you need to narrow ranges. You can't specifically say, well, he must have ace, king, king, queen, king, you know. No, there's a ton of hands that he could raise with there, but there's also a ton of hands that actually don't need to hit that flop that are still beating you. So I wouldn't put him on nothing there. And that min raise certainly... I mean, what's the point now? I mean, you you bet three twenty, and he's only going to have five hundred left after that, or whatever. And so it's like, why even? You know, either he's going to. It's just not enough money. You're, you're you're letting this guy see it on the street for for cheap, 
And if you don't get your flush draw now, what now what? So uh, I'm either going to shove there or I'm going to call. But min raising the 320 really accomplishes nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, this is an easy call for your opponent no matter what he has here, I think. Um, so you've really just wasted 160 units. Now, obviously, if we hit our hand, then it's not wasted at all. But but that's the real issue we have here is that we don't have a made hand right now. So by shoving now... You know, you're now you put your opponent is like, gosh, I don't know whether my opponent has something or not, but can I afford to put my tournament life online to to find out for sure? But when it's one sixty, it's like, all right, I don't know what they have, but it's another yeah. one sixty here. So, so win a, to win almost a thousand, one sixty right. to win almost a thousand, and if you have overs, you know, and if or if you have a pair over that, you're definitely calling. There's, it's not going to make him fold. That's the thing. And if and you're saying you want to make him pay to stay. It's not like he's drawing. You're the one that's drawing. So, you know, it's and you just... might be better off just calling and then shoving on the turn, you know, a little... Um... Yeah, the give and go. Right, yeah. Whatever. So yeah. that would be a better move here then. So, Stop I mean, yeah. 160 or all in is probably your your best bets here, and, and we chose to go 320 instead, so... All right, I hear says, after I make the bet, I realize that I bet too little. There is oh, okay. no way he's going to fold at this point for a 2x raise. I'm feeling a little foolish. This may come back to bite me. That's all right. We all make mistakes. That's good. But he recognized it, so that's important. He didn't hear us need us to hear us say it, so uh, he knows. He knows he didn't bet enough. Uh, the button calls, and the pot is eleven forty, and the turn is the deuce of spades. So now we are looking at a board of nine of diamonds, deuce of clubs, deuce of diamonds, deuce of spades, and we are first act. I'll check. I mean. <laughs> Here's the deal: is if he only had, if he has ace king, we just caught him. Now we both have two pair with an ace kicker, so that's cool. But if he has his over pair, now he could yeah. be saying, "Oh, you you have an ace. You think you're going to split this pot with me? But I've actually got pocket tens or jacks, and he may bet into you." So, and our flush is dead now. Yeah, and I mean, in that case, in that scenario, yeah. If if it well, no, there's no full house. It's just. Well, if he has a pocket pair, it is because it's three deuces now. So if he has tens or jacks, oh, or... oh it's three deuces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sorry. I was I wasn't thinking yeah. of a deuce. Yeah, I was thinking it was a nine. So yeah, I was, I was thinking it was two pair. Yeah, so that's right. So I was thinking it was nines and deuces, and for some reason I was thinking it was nine nine deuce. So in your scenario, yeah, we're still behind. So, yeah, we're but... still behind though. Um, but we're not chopping now with with ace ten. We're only hoping that we have a better starting hand than him. And uh, yeah, if he has a pair, our flush is dead. So I I'm checking. Yeah, yeah, we're we're. We got unlucky here, and this is why, again, now, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here, uh, the rest of the hand, but uh, had we shoved on the flop, then we would get to see the last card and figure out, you know, maybe we hit our ace or 10 and that's all right, or maybe we're having beat. Now we're really in this problem now where, you know, our, our hand shrunk up so much because the flush is not going to help us if he's on a, bo- a pocket pair, which seems a very reasonable thing in his range right now. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, our hero says, I think it's unlikely he has a deuce at this point, and if you allow me to draw to my flush for free or cheap, I will take it. I don't want to risk a re-raise, so I elect to call, he says, but he actually checks. Oh, okay, so he likes to check. Yeah, I would check, too. And uh, so he checks, and the button checks behind. Good. So we go to the river, a heads up, which is the four of hearts. So our final board is nine of diamonds, deuce of clubs, deuce of diamonds, deuce of spades, four of hearts. Um, well, it went check, check. I mean, I, if we believe, see, I don't think any story adds up where we have him beat now other than a pocket really pair tough. smaller yeah, really than nines because we limped. So you might have been set mining and now you've got a small boat. You know, you might have pocket fives and you didn't believe he had a nine. You thought he had ace king. So you were playing with him the whole way. So th- that story adds up for us. And if, it, if, if you believe that this person's capable of thinking that, that you limped, and he doesn't have a pair over the nines. If if you believe that he can understand your story would be someone set mining who now is a boat and doesn't believe him, I mean we're on some different level thinking here. But if you think that this person is capable of that, then I might make a bet here. I might shove. If if I think that this guy is way more capable of that and there's too much in the pot and he can't fold no matter what we do, I'm checking. So it just depends on the read on the player. If that player is good enough to understand third level thinking maybe even fourth level, then maybe I'm making that that sho- I'm making that shove and he folds. Because even if he had something like, you know, ace king or even if he had pocket tens, he doesn't know that, you know, you could have, you know, made 
pocket fours full now, bigger than his tens, twos full of tens or something. So it depends on the other player, but I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm shoving here unless I think I know I can get him to fold. If not, then I'm just checking and seeing what he does and then making a read on that. Yeah, I'm actually going to argue that uh, this is a perfect shove opportunity for us because if he had if he had the boat, if he had a pocket pair, there's no way he's checking that turn, is there? No, that's true. You're probably right there. I wasn't even thinking about that. You're probably right. Why would so he I'm check? So I'm taking that out of the range now, uh, or a deuce. So we take out the, the quads and the boat. So now the worst case scenario is he has ace king, ace queen, or ace jack. And if that's the case, I don't want to show down on that. And he can't, um, I don't think he can risk his tournament life on a showdown like that. And the story, and we're talking about stories here, right? Our story holds up as we have the boat here because he had been leading the action all the way. We boat up on the turn and we check to let him bet, and he doesn't. So at this point, I think he has to he has to wonder what we have at this point, and I just can't see ace king, ace queen, ace jack calling off the rest of his chips here. So I and again, and if we're wrong, we're still at twenty eight hundred. I mean, I would have liked to shove earlier when we had more opportunity uh, to win the hand, but I, I really think at this point we we have to play our our stack here and and really make him wonder whether his hand is good here. Based on what we know, it seems li- unlikely that he has a hand that he's going to snap call here. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I was forgetting about the check back. on the, For some reason, when we were talking about, and you said he said call, but he checks, I was thinking there was a bet in my mind. I forgot it was a yeah. check, not a call. So, yeah, he checked that turn. Why would he check the turn if he had a bigger boat than, than the nine on the board? So, yeah, yeah, I think he, he probably – but that's the other thing, too, is that this guy will see – well, I don't, if he doesn't believe us the way we don't believe him, and he has ace-queen or ace-king, he might call with ace-king, thinking that he didn't hit you either. So the only hands that beat me are, you know, pairs that are bigger than nines, and you wouldn't have that. So I don't know. He may actually get up the courage to call with ace-king. I don't know. Um, he could, but I, I would rather take the chance of winning the pot that way than I would by checking and letting him check you out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the 685 is a big deal to him. It's not to us. Yeah. I, I might be on, on Team Scott here now with shoving. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> I'm going to be your campaign manager for the 2018 election. <laughs> All right. He says, I uh, I think I probably have the best of this with my ace high. If I bet, I only get beat by a better hand, so I play passively in check. I don't know about that. Again, I think you're going to get – some of them, uh, better hands to fold by betting here, but we'll very see few though. There are very few hands left that this there guy are, can but have. Get but, but yeah, where we think we are with this, unless this player is really weird and how he plays, those are the most likely hands for him to have right now. So and the other thing right. too is, I mean, not to prolong it, but if this guy had something like pocket eights, he's not going anywhere, and he might have checked behind because he was worried you had a nine. But now that you've checked. He thinks his eights are good. You know what I mean? There there are other hands now besides yeah. ace-king and showdowns. Fair enough. That's a fair enough point, but right. I don't know. If you have I, pocket I eights hands- and you rate, that, that story makes sense, too, all the way through. Pocket eights make sense, too. Hmm. Think about pocket eights for a minute, okay? So he raises yeah. preflop because yeah. he would have. He bets the flop because he would have. He calls the min-raise because he would have. He checks behind because he was worried about your min-raise, thinking that you might have that nine. But then you, you know, so now he's like on the river, you check again. He's like, oh, you can't have a nine now because you would have bet the nine. So my eights are good here. My eights are good with deuces full of eights. Now I bet. So uh, to me, you really better be certain this guy has ace, king, king, queen, something like that to have to call an all in or to go all in. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there that we never talked about eights down to fours or something. I suppose that's possible. I guess, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm trying to talk myself into my hand being better than it really, my position being better than it really is here. Yeah. Um, th- those seem less likely to me. But they are possible. I will give you that they are possible. Right. They all, so, as long as it fits the story, you have to consider it. That's all. And it does fit the story. Right. Uh, okay, so we check, and the button goes all in for 685. Yeah, great. <laughs> so now I just bring up the scenario that I have to now believe in. Uh, I don't know if I. What do I? I mean, I guess I gain a lot of chips if I call them right. But yeah, what's, what's the pot now that we have a count? 
So it was 11.40. Plus that, so another 700. So 8. So 1,800, 1,900. 25. Pretty big. So it's almost 2,000 a pot, and you're calling 7. 3 to 1 on our money, so. 700, almost 3 to 1 on your money with nothing but ace high. I don't know. If I'm in a real tournament here, and I'm not just doing analysis because somebody sends these hands in and they want to be a hero with their hand or they want to. Yeah, I probably fold. I just think, you know what? This is the difference here. This is the difference between us betting 685 and the button call, uh, betting 685. Right. We bet 685. Now he has a choice to make. We checked, and now we have a choice to make. And, you know, going back to our, our days with Lee Childs, that was the one, number one lesson he always had is you don't want to be the one making the decisions. You want other people making decisions. Right. And now we're in a scenario where we're making a decision, and it's not a great decision for us because you're right. We have ace high here. At this point, now our mind's racing on all these other combinations that you just mentioned, uh, which might be a good thing, but um, it, it it is a difficult call to make now with with ace high. It's a uh, pure bluff catcher. I mean, what hands do you beat with ace ten? You only beat hands that raised free flop that weren't at least ace high, and aren't pairs. How many guys are going to see two limps at a six handed table and raise with anything less than ace ten on the button? And then play it the way they played it all the way through, missing completely the whole way and calling your check raise the whole way. I, I just don't see this person. It feels like it's a total bluff or it's pocket eights. And if if it's a total bluff, it could still be beating you with ace-king or ace-queen or ace-jack. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just don't – I would rather have shoved there than call here. And, it, and that's that's the really important part here, right? Because yep. we, we were talking about if we show we get ace king, ace queen, ace jack to fold. Now they're not folding; they're already in. So if he has any one of those hands, and we call, we lose. Whereas had we bet it, we could have gotten those three hands to fold. Yeah, you probably don't get and those three to hands. Fold. Seem most likely to me right, right. now, but so. you get the other three hands that were pretty likely to fold. You know, I mean, th- those hands are likely to make raises too. And there's more of those than there are the other ones. I think eights and sevens are borderline hands for raising there. They could have raised preflop. They could have just called and set mine. But even if they did, you know, they did raise thinking that, hey, it's six hand and I've got a pocket pair and these guys are limping. So it's likely with eights or sevens they may raise. Sixes and fives, probably not. So it's either eights or a bluff, but the bluff still beats us. I got to fold. Yeah, we got to fold here. It's a very specific bluff that you have to beat here, like uh, king, queen. And really, queen, king, queen, really doing that all this way? If they are, then I'd reassess who I'm playing against. You know, either really, really good, or they're really, really bad. And you better figure it out real soon. And this is a really great teaching case for new players. I think you know this scenario right here. The difference between betting six eighty five or calling six eighty five. Yeah, that's that's the essence of poker right there. I think that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, all right, our hero says, I think about this for a while and ultimately think my initial read is good. If he had a 2-9 two, uh, two or a big ace, I think he would have bet the turn. I think he might have had a mid-pocket pair, but if so, he would have bet much bigger pre-flop, so probably not. I have him well covered, so if I lose, I still have a good stack early in the tournament. I decide to call, and the button turns over, queen-jack offsuit, and we <laughs> oh, win. God. Wow. <laughs> That's a hero call if I ever seen one. Really is, isn't it? But you know, again, he he had no way of winning this without betting there, right. and we never showed any interest in the spot, really. So, I mean, I, if I was him there, I would I would hate to have to put my tournament life on the line with Queen Jack, but that's the only way I'm going to get out of that hand, um, and I don't want to play with six eighty five left at that point. It was a very reasonable um, thought on his mind that that he would be able to get us to fold there, and and you and I would have folded there, so. Uh, I think a lot of players probably would have folded that bet, too. So. Wow. wow. I, I tell you. Andrew says, I'm sure I made a bunch of mistakes, but I'd like to hear you taking my play. Two questions. Should I bet the turn? And I think we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, and two, notwithstanding my comment about my stack size, should have made the the, the all-in call. Um, we discussed this hand afterwards. I love the show. Two exclamation points. This is my favorite podcast. Two exclamation points. Best poker cast on the planet. Three exclamation points. Yes. And even punctuated poker cast, correct? Wow. So, Dave. Um, no, good pot there. Yeah, I think you probably played it wrong almost all the way through, but that's the other thing about poker. I mean, um, you you can still win when you make mistakes. And you're uh, you're, actually, I'm really curious now to go back through and look at the opponent here. He raised pre flop, right? Yeah. 
which well, again it, that six-handed i would probably raise the queen jack on the button there so that makes sense i don't know if you would scott Let's let's be honest here. It's six-handed, well, and you have two two limbers suit. ahead of you. Offsuit, yeah. And one of them's under the gun. You have Queen Jack off on well, the button. I, I guess I wouldn't because I had twelve hundred chips. I don't have enough chips to be that aggressive and play it. But if I if I had the chip stacks are different. If I had the four thousand and twelve hundred six-handed, I'm I'm loosening my range up when I'm on the button like that. You also have an under the gun limper and a caller ahead of you. So yeah, even if you have four thousand chips, you're still really gonna raise a queen jack. I think you're gonna speculate. Well, it does seem like this is a position. very passive game. Just based on the play of all, all people involved here. Right? Yeah. We had a under the gun player that limp folded. Uh we have a player with Queen Jack that got a ships all in somehow on this hand. And then we have a player with ace ten uh, suited that was very cautious with this play. So, uh, I, I you know I don't know the skill level of everybody here, but it seems like this is a game of, of kind of new players that are still working their way out. And so, if you throw me in that, then yeah, I'm going to be a lot more aggressive with queen jack. But just, let's yeah, let's just remember that we talked about it's like a passive game, but we only know about three players' actions, and one of them was insane with queen jack. So I mean, so he's not passing. Well, it wasn't so. as insane as what I just mentioned by raising. Which no, I up. know, but he did raise. He raised with it pre-flop. That's why we got into this mess. He raised, and we <laughs> called his raise, and then he bets out, and we check raise him, and then he still comes along with nothing with Queen Jack. He comes along on that flop with nothing after we check raise him. These these players are insane. One of this guy's insane, or he's just really really bad. So I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what it is, and you need to figure that out real soon because that that guy is. Either really bad or really impressive, and I don't well, know which I mean, one it is. His, his real mistake was on the flop; he bet too little. You know, the pot was four seventy, bet one sixty. Yeah, no one's going to wait for one sixty there. That's the problem. You miss that flop. I mean, it's it's hard to represent you hitting that flop. I get that argument, but you know, it, it's also hard for anybody else to represent hitting that flop either. So put that, you know, two two thirty, bet half the pot at least two thirty five there, make it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then the turn at that point, that's uh, now, now you're getting kind of scared, but we uh, we checked. So, I mean, now you got yourself trapped in this hand. So at that point, you probably he probably should have shoved the turn. Both of us should have shoved the turn. Yeah. That's probably the, the mistake, the biggest mistake both players made. Unbelievable. That qu- we're, not calling, we're not calling that turn shove, right? At that point? Yeah, no. On the board? No. So. No. Because now you're thinking your eights are good. You don't think he has a nine, and you don't think he has deuces because he didn't check raise with three deuces and then hit quads. You know, you just don't believe it. So you think your eights are good if you have pocket eights, or you're telling the story that pocket eights are good. You say if he shoves on us, we're folding there with ace high. Um, but when it gets to the end and the story gets a little more fleshed out and there's more money in the pot, then he makes the hero call. I, I just, I, I would just, I think we learned the lesson as to when, when you should be the aggressor. You don't have to have it to call all in but you you know you better have it to call it and that was a very very tough call to make and he made it i don't like i said there's very specific hands he has to, to, to beat there are very few hands he beats there and queen jack's one of them but i could never have put that guy in queen jack ever ever so i mean unless i know the guy and i don't i like we said in the beginning of the hand i didn't know the guy there's just no way i would know he was capable of that of those two cards in his hand in that situation crazy but a very interesting hand. It got more interesting as it went along. I didn't think it was going to be like that, and it was. It's great. Often do. All right. Good call, Dave. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tape. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.